KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Hey, Matt Leon here. This will be the final special episode of One on One, looking ahead to Super Bowl 57 between the Eagles and the Chiefs. And our guest for this discussion will be Vahe Gregorian. Now, he has roots in our area and currently is one of the top sports columnists going, writing for the Kansas City Star. Got the chance to talk with Vahe about a lot of Super Bowl 57 topics, including how Kansas City fans view head coach Andy Reid. Really interesting discussion. Give a listen. So first of all, Vahe, before we talk football, talk Andy Reid, uh, for folks that aren't familiar with your work, you, you've got roots here in the Philadelphia area. Give us a little bit of your background. Yeah, well, I, I grew up in Swarthmore. I went to the University of Pennsylvania, and uh, I feel like I've had a lot of friends in touch this week uh, calling it the Vahe Bowl. I, I realize it's actually not that, but it's kind of fun to feel you know connected on both sides, right? I, my oldest friends are Eagles fans. My newest friends are Chiefs fans. And and the, the, the other little twist in this, Matt, is that I, I've known Andy Reid since uh, he was at University of Missouri assistant coach in the late 80s, early 90s. So a lot to unpack in this uh, in this whole, whole matchup. To that point, Andy Reid, because... It's such a unique situation here with given the the success he had in Philadelphia and the the tenure he had in Philadelphia just lengthwise and now we're kind of seeing the same thing in Kansas City but obviously to another level because he's won a Super Bowl and this is his third appearance. How is Andy Reid looked at by the Chiefs fan base? Is he is he revered? Is he considered the best coach in franchise history because they've had a lot of success there? Well, look, he really is revered, and and I think, you know, I'm pretty good friends with Dale Stram, Hank Stram's son, so I'm reluctant to say, uh, you know, that Andy is seen necessarily as having eclipsed Hank Stram, and and the the real reason is, I mean, that was a a, a decade of dominance by Hank Stram, different time in the game. The reason Andy is seen as he is here. Is and this is a little bit of what it was like in Philadelphia in Andy's first years, right? But Andy, you got to remember the Chiefs have a proud legacy, but they had won three playoff games in 45 years between the Super Bowl four and, and Andy getting here. So the first few years, I you know Andy was still getting traction, right? But they went nine and zero after a two and fourteen year, kind of it sputtered a little bit before they got to this plateau, and and obviously everything's changed with Patrick Mahomes. But, you know, a couple of years ago, Matt, when we did, uh, it was their second Super Bowl in a row, we actually did a whole special section. The whole concept was why everybody loves Andy Reid. And that was both rooted here where, where people are doing all kinds of things to pay tribute to him. and But also even the fact that nationally at that time, people were clearly rooting for him to win his first Super Bowl. I think even Eagles fans was was what my intel was. And I think because probably it helped that the Eagles had already won a Super Bowl in between, right? It was like, okay, well, now he could have one. I agree with that, and I think you exactly parse out exactly why Eagles fans were so so happy <laughs> to see Andy get it. It's very easy to, as a fan base, as a as an area, to start to take success for granted. And, you know, winning the Super Bowl, three appearances, I think it's three and four years. Like, is this success kind of expected now? And is it taken for granted? I don't mean that as a bad thing, because I think that's human nature when you're a sports fan. Yeah, it's funny you're asking that. I, I just spoke with a bunch of people kind of about this topic, including a sports psychologist. And this is kind of interesting. I mean, I won't say the Chiefs had to beat the Bengals to get back to this Super Bowl, but there was a little bit of a sense that they didn't do that, that the idea of any baton or torch being passed to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs being sort of 
you know, perennial contenders. Well, that was going to be diminished by the idea that Joe Burrow just was always going to beat them. And so now here they are back in the Super Bowl. That's one frontier to be in. But winning a second, I think that's the place they need to get to feel like this is not just another year of hosting the AFC championship and getting there. It sounds ridiculous, right? But I do think that there's a, a possibility of a little bit of that Atlanta Brave syndrome from the 90s where they have all those all those World Series and all those opportunities and just win one. I think, and I don't think the Chiefs are consciously thinking of this or Andy Reid is consciously thinking of this, but I think to set yourselves apart and say, well, okay, this isn't just you know something that's uh, another season. That they really do need to win a second one. And and you know, I think it's twelve quarterbacks, Matt, that have won more than one Super Bowl. And I think it would be befitting of Patrick Mahomes' regular seasons and what he's done, the, the kind of magic he's brought to this, to see him ascend to becoming one of those multi Super Bowl winners, whether it's this year or not. I mean, I I, I just think I, I I'd ex- I'd be surprised if he doesn't win a couple more in his career and. I feel like this is sort of a coin toss game. I I don't really have a sense of how it will go. Yeah, to that point, when you kind of look at it, because I'm kind of surprised, it seems to me overall, and I I mean even outside the pool of Philadelphia, the arrow seems to point, people are pointing towards the Eagles. People seem to like the Eagles, and I don't know if that's the matchup, if that's just how easy the Eagles had it in the postseason, you know, a couple of romps to to get here, Uh, but what jumps out at you when you look at this matchup as the things to watch? Well, it's part of it's the cliche to begin with of the trenches. And, you know, it's really interesting. If I have this number right, I, I'm not sure I do, but I think it's I think there's five Eagles that have 10 or more sacks. So, you know, obviously they led the NFL in sacks, but but it's also coming from a lot of different places. And in the Chiefs case, you know, they're actually second in the league in sacks this year after being 29th last year, by the way. So that's, that's, you know, a thing they'll have going for them too, but a little different to be able to pin the ears back, so to speak, and go after Joe Burrow last week than it will be to go uh, against Jalen Hurts and the you know sort of multiplicity of what he can do. Now, I, what I don't know, I don't, I'm not quite clear on how healthy Jalen Hurts is, how much he's able to do the things that I think could be complicated for the Chiefs, you know, just in terms of his legs. But I think that's what the Chiefs can do to contain him and and how the Chiefs can keep uh, the Eagles at bay from from Patrick Mahomes, who probably still will be I, I don't I don't know if he'll be limited. I don't even think we thought he was limited last week, but I but I think he certainly wouldn't be a hundred percent in his mobility, which is a big part of his ability to riff and, and ad lib is 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 in that. So the cat and mouse game begins with that. I think they you know the the notion of how those things are going to trump one another. We need to take a break. We will have more with the Kansas City Stars Vahe Gregorian right after this. This is one on one. And we are back on one-on-one, continuing our Super Bowl conversation with Kansas City Star sports columnist Vahe Gregorian. It's interesting to me from afar, the Chiefs are still a very high-level offense because of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, but without Tyreek Hill, you know, I mean, they, the, the Chiefs were a threat, I think, with Tyreek Hill, with everybody healthy, to score 50 on any given night. And I don't care who they were playing against defensively, just because of his ability to take the top off and what it allowed everybody to do. How are they different this year without that consistent deep threat. And I know they have other guys that have speed, but they're not Tyree Kill. He's a one-in-a-million type of, of deep threat. So how are they different now offensively? 
Well, they, they look, you hit, put it right on the line. That's exactly right. What's interesting about Tyree Kill is, long story short, I mean, because of what his salary demands were going to be, they basically traded him at, at the peak of his career for premium uh, get back, premium draft capital and save some money. So that the assumption was they would be taking a step back this year offensively. Well, they're still the number one offense in football. And the way they've done it is it really is sort of multiplicity again, uh, you know, a little more diverse attack. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is pretty instrumental in the attack. But if you look, you'll see like the, the guy, I doubt many people would realize the guy with the second most touchdowns is Jarek McKinnon, who at 30 has blossomed as as a sort of role player, splitting time with Isaiah Pacheco from Vineland, New Jersey, by the way. So the other thing, though, too, is Marquez Valdez-Scantling has, has and and Mahomes have really developed a chemistry through the season. It, Juju Smith-Schuster has been really good at the intermediate game. It, so I think maybe that's the key term. The intermediate game has been really, really good for them. And yeah, they haven't been able to go take the top off the way they did. McCole Hardman's their fastest guy. He's been hurt a lot. Longest pass of the season was, was to uh, former Penn Quaker Justin Watson with a, uh, I think it was only like 47 yards, maybe it was 57. I can't remember many times they just took deep shots even like that, just said, we're going to show you we can do that. So it's it's a little, the offense has contoured differently. And I, I would suggest that actually it benefited them in the sense that some things that maybe started to get stale, right? You get the same, even though Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are always kind of ever replenishing the, the way they work together. I think at some point you have the same coordinators, some coaches and same personnel. And it, 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 you start to rely on the same old things. So I, th- I just think that they've been forced to change a little bit and it, it's benefited them. They've, they've really freshened up. You mentioned Jarek McKinnon and he's kind of, one of those guys, there's the big names everybody's going to talk about, and then there's kind of that next-level guys that could have a real impact on the game, and I agree. I think he's a guy that has found the end zone, can catch the ball, slasher. Give me another name from the Kansas City side of a guy that, that might not be in a lot of the main conversations, either side of the ball, but that could have a real impact here because of what he does and maybe what this matchup's going to need. Yeah, well, I think... I mean, he's a name people will know, but I, I think Trent McDuffie is capable of making a big play on defense. Uh, he, he's still looking for his first interception, but he's all around the ball. And he's a rookie. He's one of four, They're going to start probably four rookies, including a couple in the secondary. And he had to sit out a few games with injuries. But I, I, I think it, maybe he doesn't count as a guy that would surprise you. The other thing, that, and this is true, and it is a, a Philadelphia Penn bias, but Mahomes and Justin Watson have a real rapport. And uh, he's turned to him in some key moments in games. And, and so if we want to count a guy a little under the radar, Justin was sick and had to sit out the last game. But, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a, a, a meaningful moment or two in this. And overall, I know you said coin flip off the top. If you had to pick 51-49, do you, do you go in a, <laughs> is there a direction you go? I think I feel exactly like I did about the Chiefs-Bengals game. I, I think I'm more comfortable saying a score than I – and having any divine notion of who would win. I mean, I, I figure it'll be uh, high 20s, low 30s. I really think it'll come down to the last two minutes. Frankly, I'll be disappointed if it doesn't. I, I think this game, for all the subplots going into it, this game deserves to have, have a memorable ending. 
That will do it for this bonus episode of One on One. Many thanks to the Kansas City Stars' Vahe Gregorian for taking the time to chat. You can follow the show on Twitter at One on One Pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening. 